Turn in your Bibles if you have it. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Yeah, I want you to see this. If you have a Bible app, you got a phone, something with the Bible on it, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. They're going to come on the screen too, I think. In Deuteronomy 20, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation the first nine verses of Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Y'all all right? Mm -hmm. Beginning at verse 1, it says, When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. <laughs> The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. <clears throat> when you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. He will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel. and Do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is going with you, and he will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. Mm. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, has anyone here just built a new house, but yet not yet dedicated it? If so, you may go home. You might be killed in the battle, and someone else would dedicate your house. In verse 6, has anyone here just planted a vineyard but not eaten any of its fruit? If so, you may go home. You might die in battle and someone else would eat the first fruit. In verse 7, has anyone here just become engaged to a woman but not yet married her? Well, you may go home and get married. You might die in the battle and someone else would marry her. Then the officers will say, also say, is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. <laughs> and when the officers have finished speaking to their troops, they will appoint the unit commanders. I want to use the subject today, a fight plan. A fight plan. I'm going to give you some things to throw up against that thing you're fighting. I'm not saying that the way you're fighting it is bad. I just want to give you something else to fight with, some tools to fight with out of this passage. Some of them may uh, be supplementary to what you're already doing. I'm not, the points are not going to come on the screen. I want you to write down what is important to you. Now, what jumped out at me in this passage is the very first word in the passage. The first word in verse 1 is called an adverb of time. The first word in the passage, no matter what translation you're reading, is the word when. When you go out to fight your enemies. Somebody say when. <laughs> when is an adverb of time. And whenever God would speak to Israel about war and conflict and battles, he never spoke to them as if it was something that might happen. <laughs> you got that already? I need y'all to come out here. You already will. You, you, it, it's, it's not a possibility. It's not something perhaps may happen. 
when you fight. When God talked to Israel about conflict and war, he talked to them as if it was normal. You're going to fight. And it's very important that we understand that when you talk about the word when, which is an adverb of time, when has to do with the past, like back in the day when we were young, that's an adverb of time, and it's also used in the future as an inevitable occurrence. Like, like my mother used to call from 1348th Street in D.C. at the Calvin A. Beauty Salon when I had been misbehaving and the school had to call. She would call home to the house, and I would answer the phone, and she'd say, I'm going to beat you when I get home. <laughs> That's an inevitable occurrence. <laughs> There's something about the word when that troubles me even to this day. It's going to happen. And I'm telling you something we've all got to get our arms around very quickly. We all better get our arms around the fact that in this life, you're going to have to fight. That warfare is going to be a part of your life. It ain't if you're going to fight something. It ain't just in case you get into a fight, when you fight. And it's very important to understand that because a lot of people who are fighting something think you're alone. The devil is lying to you. You're not alone. All you got to do is elbow the person to your left and your right, and they can say, I'm fighting something too. Everybody's fighting something. You may not be fighting the same thing, but every one of us is fighting something. And the fact that you're in a fight doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's part of the plan of God. He causes all things to work together for his good and he chooses our battle. We don't even pick the battle. He picks the battle. You're not weird. You're normal. You're not strange. You're human. And a part of this life, you're going to have to fight. Look at somebody say, you're going to have to fight. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Get your little self together because you're going to have to fight in this life. You don't have to like it, but you're going to be in a fight. I don't care how big your Bible is or how long your testimony is. It's about to get longer. In this world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It, yeah, 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 yeah. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of every one of them. The just shall live by his faith, but God is going to work things together for his good. you got to go through things in this life and you will be in a fight. Just hunt somebody that ain't got it yet and say, you're going to have to fight. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. When, when you go up against your enemies, keep verse one up, I'm going to spend some time in that verse. When you go up against your enemies, your enemies, your, God is talking to Israel. God is talking to Israel about their enemies. And in verse 17, we discover who their enemies are. In verse 17, down in Deuteronomy 20, they got enemies and all their names sound alike, like the Hivites and the Hittites and, and the Jebusites and the, and the Perizzites and, and the Ammonites and, and all them people and the Canaanites. Their enemies all sound alike. But it's very important to know who you're fighting and to know what you're fighting. Here's a principle. You got to study your enemy. You got to study what you're fighting. You got to know what you're up against. Because, see, sometimes, sometimes we begin to fight the wrong thing because we're so wearied by the fight. In fact, in verse 19, he tells him in verse 19, he says, they don't go down there and start chopping down trees. Don't be throwing up because as the war, watch this, when you are attacking a town and the war drags on, somebody say it dragged on. That means you've been fighting a long time. That's called fighting fatigue. You must not go and start cutting down the trees with your axes. You may eat the fruit, but don't cut down the trees. The tree is supposed to feed you. You ain't supposed to kill it. Are the trees your enemies that you should attack them? And here's what you have to understand when you've been in a fight. 
Sometimes when you've been in a fight a long time, you start fighting stuff that ain't even your enemy. It's like two parents who are fighting together to advocate for their child. Two parents who are fighting together to help get their child out of trouble, maybe medical trouble or legal trouble. But the fight has been so arduous and so expensive and so exhausting and so tiring. Now y'all fighting each other. Just look at somebody next to you and say, let's fight together. Let's, let's fight together. Let's fight together. I ain't got enough strength to fight you and this. I ain't got enough strength to fight you and the problem. Let's focus on the problem and let's fight together. It's, it's wasted energy to chop down a tree. The tree ain't my enemy. The tree is my partner. The tree is feeding me. Now I'm supposed to be taking this axe to the problem, but I'm taking the axe to the tree. Who understands what I'm talking about here? You got to be careful that you haven't been fighting so long. You're fighting the wrong people and the wrong thing. Let's fight together. Yes, Got to study your enemy. And God says when you go into this fight, the first thing you got to fight is fear. He says when you go out to fight your enemy, ooh, ooh, I missed something. I missed something, Pastor Jeff. Watch this. He said when you go out and fight your enemy, Go back to verse 1. I ain't, I'm still in verse 1. He said, let me read mine because y'all are somewhere else. When I, he said, when you go out to fight your enemy, and watch this, and you face horses and chariots. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that ain't what I was expecting. I thought we was fighting. I thought we was going like this. Y'all got other stuff. See, Israel didn't have horses and chariots. Israel, they had foot soldiers. They would fight face to face, but they went up against this enemy and they saw horses and chariots. That's a high tech fight in that time. And sometimes you go into a situation thinking it's one thing, then when you get up close on it and you fighting something you ain't prepared to fight. See, somebody's in a battle right now that you have no background for, you have no preparation for, you have no history for. I've never faced this before. I've never dealt with this before. I had to ask the lawyer how to define the terms. I had to ask the doctor what this even is. I don't even know how to ask y'all to pray for this because I ain't never faced this before. I ain't never experienced this before. Who am I talking to in here that you're up against something so deep you didn't even know it was this deep? You had to ask the attorney. You had to ask the accountant to define the terms so you can know how to pray. You had to Google this stuff. I had to research this stuff because I ain't never fought this before. This a horse and a chariot. I thought we was going up just going, going knuckle up. Y'all got some other stuff. I remember I was 11 years old. And I was 11 years old and I was in Addison Chapel Apartments off Addison Road and that's where I grew up. And one day, I was messing with, I, don't, I can't remember exactly what happened with this kid, but I was picking on somebody. And I don't think it was physical. I think I was just making fun of him. I don't remember that what caused what I'm about to share with y'all, but I did something to the boy, and he said, I'm going to tell my mother. And so I probably said, I don't know exactly what I said. I probably said, well, go tell your mother. I don't care. You know, try and be tough. So he went home and I stood in front of my apartment building and I'm standing there and I and and I remember when he came back with his mother <laughs> and I wouldn't have been scared because I've seen mothers before but I ain't never seen a mother like this <laughs> this was different this was 
It wasn't just that the woman was massive, she was also masculine. <laughs> so when I saw her size and her girth, I didn't even know where to, I couldn't, I was too scared to run. I didn't know what to do. I just, because I was talking all that trash to him, now I'm, I'm torn. And so she walks up on me, and I'm, I'm looking straight ahead, looking at her stomach. There's her, she's towering over me, and she said, you got something to say to my son? Now her voice was deeper than my father's. She's already big, and I froze in my brain. Uh, all of my, all of my neural systems shut down, and everything. And I didn't know what to do because she was threatening me. So, so at this, I'm standing in front of my apartment building, and I didn't know the Lord at this time. I wasn't saved, so I didn't know to call on the Lord. So I called on the highest name I knew at the time, and the highest name I knew at the time was my mother's. So I said, Ma! I called my mother's name three times. My mother looked out the window from the kitchen. I remember. She looked out the window and said, what's going on? Then left the kitchen window, ran down. We lived on the third floor. She ran down three flights of stairs. I think she slid down the rail. Because I don't know what it is about women. I've never been a mother. I don't know what it is about y'all, but you can tell what we mean when we say your name. You know what? When I... You know when it's a game, and you know when it's serious. Now, I don't know what my mother saw when she looked out the window, but when she came out the door of the apartment building, she was ready to fight. <laughs> but then things changed, because my mother then saw what I saw. So my mother said, what's going on out here? And this, 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 uh, this, um, this boy's um, parent said, he been messing with my son. And I don't know when it changed for my mother, because she came out there to fight. But when she realized it was a horse in a chariot, she started beating me and said, boy, get yourself in the house out here talking trash to people. Get your butt in the house. She whooped me all the way up three flights of steps, never even looked at the woman. And I said, I see what you're doing. You don't want none of the problem of that. What I'm saying is, sometimes we think it's one thing and we get into it and it's a whole different thing. And God says, don't be scared, because I'm here. Woo. Don't be scared, because it's big, but I'm bigger. Don't be scared, because it's great, but I'm greater. Don't be scared, because you ain't never faced it before, but I set you up for this, and I know with me you're going to make it. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody just got a word right there. Give God a praise that he's bigger than whatever you're facing. He's got you. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. When God said, don't be scared, I said, it's too late. <laughs> what I'm battling, it's too late. I'm scared, paranoid, panicked, petrified, the whole thing. It's too late. God says, don't be scared. So he got to fight fear. He says, because fear is not your friend in a fight. You don't fight well when you're scared. You have to be focused when you're fighting. You have to be confident in who you're fighting with. And he says, I'm going to give you two fighting tools to fight fear. Right there in verse 1. I'm still in verse 1. He says, well, the first thing I want you to do is fight fear with my presence. Yeah. 
I'm with you. Yeah. Then he says, the second thing I want you to fight fear with is my previous work in your life. <laughs> what I love about it is he doesn't just say, I'm with you. He reintroduces himself and says, I'm the God who brought you out. Oh, y'all ain't ready. I, I, I ain't just anybody that's with you. I got history with you. I've done it. See, the problem with us is it's not has God been faithful over our lives. He's been faithful time after time after time after time. The problem with us is we have spiritual amnesia. And we forgot, we remember the pain, but we forgot that if it wasn't for the Lord, we wouldn't have made it through what we made it through. So God says, first of all, fight it with the promise of my presence. See, whenever God says, fear not in the Bible, don't be afraid, he always follows it with, for I am with thee. Fear not, I am with you. Don't be afraid, I am here. Don't be scared, I'm with you. And the reason why he says that is he, he doesn't even say, I don't know what that is. He doesn't even say, he, he, he says, he says, he says, he, he doesn't even say what, are, what he's going to do yet. He just says, you just need to have confidence. I'm here. I don't know if you've ever been in something and you felt alone in it or you had people around you either way. But then that one person showed up that changed your confidence. When they walked in the door, you say, mm, this, this is what I'm talking about right here. I, I feel kind of, That's what God does for us. And what you have to do is you have to practice the presence of God in your fight. You have to keep saying to yourself, he's with me. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. God is with me. You have to keep saying to yourself, God is with me. Somebody say, God is with me. Yeah, God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. God, you're with me. God, you're with me. Did y'all miss that? Y'all missed that? Y'all miss God is with me. God is with me. God, you're with me. Y'all missed it. You still missed that shift. See, the first thing I said was a testimony. God is with me. The second thing I said was a conversation. God, you're with me. I moved from talking about where he is to talking to him and thanking him for where he is. Thank you, God, that you're with me. You got to keep telling God, I thank you that you're with me. I'm not alone. You said you never leave me nor forsake me. I'm holding on to that right now that you never leave me. You say, Pastor, how can I know he's with me? The fact that I've been in this this long, how can I know that he's with me? How can you say that he's with me? Because if he really loved me, he wouldn't let me go through this for one day. Why would he let me go through this for this long? Here's how I know he's with me. He's with you. He's with you because you're still here. That's one sign that he's with you. That you're, he's with you because you're still here. See, you don't, see we, we only appreciate deliverance. What we don't appreciate is sustaining. That's what we don't appreciate. We appreciate a God that gets us out of stuff. What we don't appreciate is a God who carries us through stuff. But I'm here to tell you that there's some survivors in this room right now who really owe God a prayer. Okay, let me check the room. Are there any survivors in here? I don't even mean you're out of it yet. Is there any survivor in here who can testify that because of the Lord's presence, I'm still, in fact, high five somebody and say, I survived it. I survived it. Touch another person say, I survived it. I survived it. I made it. I made it. I made it. I survived it. I can't even tell you what it is, but just trust me. I wouldn't be in this seat right now if the Lord hadn't brought me through it. And the fact that I'm here right now is a testimony that I survived it. 
God said, don't forget what I brought you through. See, Israel had to remember because he said to Israel, listen, y'all remember when y'all were suffering and going through hell? Y'all, listen, I brought y'all out. I brought y'all out of Egypt without an army. There wasn't no army that came out of Egypt. Those were slaves with slaves mentalities who were in bondage, and I brought y'all out without an army. If I brought y'all out of that without an army, you don't think I could use the little army you got? I brought you out when they were beating y'all and asking for more brick with less straw. Remember when there was, oh, remember when I made a way out of no way. Remember when you couldn't go any further and I had to open up a way, oh, y'all don't read the Bible, out of no way. That was me. Remember when there was no way you could get out of that and I brought you out, that was me. Okay, let me bring it up to y'all. Let me bring it up to y'all. Somebody here knows what it's like to have been so sick that somebody had to take care of you. Somebody had to feed you. Somebody had to bathe you. And look at you today, bathing yourself and dressing yourself and feeding yourself. God told me to tell you that was me. That was me that did that. Somebody here knows what it's like to have had a legal battle and you was facing jail time. And I ain't just talking about jail, you was going to prison. But God stepped in and gave you favor with the lawyers and favor with the judge, and you got probation and time served, and he told me to tell you that was me. Somebody here knows what it's like to be so depressed that you wanted to take your own life, and you even tried to take your own life. But look at you up in here today with a mind to live and keep on going. God told me to tell you that was me. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Somebody here been in a car accident, and the car got totaled. The car didn't make it out, and you made it out. He told me to tell you that was me somebody give God a praise if he did that for you let him know you're grateful somebody here was so broke you had five dollars you put two dollars and change in your gas tank some of you bougie people don't know what it's like to put $2 in the gas tank. You took the other $2 and went to McDonald's and worked a dollar meal. And you had to go on $2 of gas and $2 of food for two days. Y'all don't know nothing about that. And look at you today, done roll up in here with a half tank of gas, food going bad at your house, got money in your pocket, and God says, don't you get cute, that was me. Somebody give him 10 seconds of praise. You've been good. You've been good. You brought me through. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Your presence. Your previous work. Yeah. Yeah. Lest I forget. Let me get out of verse one. <laughs> he says, I got something else for you. 
It's a fight plan. Verse 2. What time is it? Verse 2. He says, I need you before you fight as you're preparing. The priest needs to talk to you. Ooh. The priest's going to come in and talk to the troops. Mm. That's good right there. <laughs> Don't you go out fighting without a word. <laughs> Tell somebody, I need a word for this fight. <laughs> he says, I'm not sending the prophets. I'm not sending the prophets. I'm sending the priest. The priest was responsible for the offerings in the temple and the sacrifices in the temple. The priest is analogous to the modern-day pastor. It is a person who gives instructions and guidance. It's not just a person who randomly comes through a town and gives a word and a stranger to you. It is somebody you know, somebody you have a relationship with. Somebody said, that's my priest right there. That's my pastor right there. That's the person. That's my man of God right there. That's my woman of God right there. And I'm telling you, it is too dangerous to be in a spiritual fight without a priest or a pastor. I ain't even trying to judge some of y'all, but some of y'all got a lawyer and you ain't got a pastor. You got a dentist and no pastor. You got an accountant, a certified uh, public, a certified financial planner, and a tax advisor and no pastor. You got, you got, you got a fashion coordinator and a life coach and no pastor. You got a chef and a personal trainer and no pastor. And all that stuff might be cute until it's fighting time. And when you're in a spiritual battle and you don't have a spiritual authority over your life, you are already vulnerable. He says, I need the priest to speak to me. I need a word for this fight. Whew, I thank God I got a pastor. I thank God I got a pastor. The priest is never named in the text. We don't know what his name is. They don't say it's Levi. They don't say it's Aaron. They just say it's the priest. I like that because it don't matter what his name is. It don't matter how popular he is. I don't need a priest with a household name. I don't need a pastor with a million followers on Instagram. I need somebody that's effective. I don't care if you're popular. I need to know, have you heard from God? See, some of y'all are trying to fight without a word. But this word, this might be, I'm not saying don't do your research. I'm not saying don't text, don't talk to the best doctors and don't talk to the best lawyers and don't talk to the best technicians and don't talk to the best engineers and don't talk to the, and I, I'm not saying don't talk to the best contractors and all that, but in all of your doing, make sure you have a word from your man or woman of God. You're trying to fight without spiritual direction and you're not aligned to anybody spiritually. You're a spiritual vagabond, so you float around from church to church just looking because you're opposed to organized religion. And that might sound good, but when you're in a fight, you better be lined up to somebody. Elbow somebody next to you and say, you better get yourself a pastor. You better get you a pastor. You better get you a pastor. You better get you a priest. You better have that lined up in your life. In all your circle of professionals, you better have you a pastor in your life because you're going to get in something that's spiritual that you don't have the equipment to deal with. In fact, let me tell you what I'm going to do today. This is what I'm going to do today. We probably give invitations to join this church maybe two times a year. I don't even know if we do it that much. You know, we just don't do it. I don't know how the church grows because we don't even do it. You know, we don't even, people ask us how to join the church. But I'm going to do something for you today. I'm going to bless you today. I'm going to leave you without excuse today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to join this church today. 
Now, you got to take new members class and all that, but I'm going to give you an opportunity today to join this church. In light of that passage, in light of this text, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service. I ain't close to finish. At the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to join this church because you need a pastor. If you've been floating around and you're disconnected and you know you're not covered, I'm going to give you a chance to seal the deal at the end of this service so you can say, I also have an official pastor. Because some of y'all have been coming to this church, this is what you consider home, but you ain't official. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, let me tell you how important the priest's word is, and I'm almost done. In verse 3, God says, this is what the priest is going to say to you. He's going to say to you, when you go to verse 3, he will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel. Do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. Verse 4, for the Lord your God is going with you. And let me stop right there. I don't want you to miss this. What the priest said to the troops is what God had already said to them. When you go back to verse 1, the priest is echoing what God has already said. God already told them, when you go up against this enemy, don't be scared because I'm with you. Didn't he say that? So the priest comes along. I don't even know if he was in that conversation. But the priest comes along in verse 3 and says basically the same thing. Verse 3. Okay, let me go here. In verse 3, he says, he will say to you, Listen, all men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them, for the Lord your God is going with you. That's the same thing God says. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm trying to say to you is, this is how you know you got the right pastor. The right pastor will always confirm what God already said to you. I know I'm not aligned to the right thing when there's a, always a collision of mystery between what I'm hearing from my spiritual leader and what I'm hearing from God. Yeah. Now, let me go deeper with that. In order to have a pastor confirm what God's been saying to you, you've got to have the kind of relationship with God where there is something to confirm. <laughs> what kind of time you've been spending with God? <laughs> You got to have a word from God that you can see. Where people who have a right relationship with God, they spend time with God on their own. Then they come to church to have it confirmed. God, let my pastor teach me how this is all connected together. Because what, see, you may not like it, or not, but whether you think I'm qualified or not, I am the priest of this church. I am the pastor of this congregation. And I can tell you whether you like me or not, I got a word for the troops this weekend. And God will use. God will use a sermon to give you guidance on exactly what you should do in a situation. So you got to have enough time with God where you're listening to him and in his word where you're getting something where it's confirmed because this is so important because the priest is going to take it further and give you further application and further revelation of what God is up to. Because in verse 4, the priest goes further. He says, not only is God with you, but he's going to fight your enemy for you. And God's going to give you the victory. But I can't believe a word from the priest that I haven't heard from God unless I believe that he's aligned up with God what I have heard from God. 
In other words, in other words, I know you're aligned with God because you've confirmed what God showed me so I can trust the rest of the message from the preacher because God will give the rest of the message to his messengers. So here's the rest of the message. I'm, God's going to fight for you. Ooh, I wish I had time. God's going to fight for you. He's going to fight for you in this. He's going to fight the enemy for you, and he's going to give you the victory. Okay, let me do it like this. I'm going to shorten it. How do you know God's fighting for you? You know God's fighting for you in your battle when you're weary by the battle and punches start coming at your enemy and you ain't throw them. Let me look in this camera. Which camera I'm Somebody listening to me, there's a fight you're in, and people are fighting this thing with you, and you didn't, watch this, you were too, you were asleep while they were fighting. They were doing research for you, they were sending resources to you, they were standing, God will lay it on somebody's heart to give you everything you need to make it in the battle. That's the Lord fighting for you. I don't care who you are. You can never say that you were alone in a battle because God always made sure somebody showed up to fight on your behalf. God is fighting for us. Fighting for us. Then he said this. He says, and he will give you the victory. Okay, I'm going to illustrate it like this. I've never told this story before. I've held on to this since 1995. I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell it, but it's so good, I got to, I'm just deal with the consequences. In 1995, I was in Chicago. I was preaching at a church in Chicago. I'm not going to tell you the name of the church. At least I keep that out of it. I'm at a church in Chicago, and I'm preaching, and the pastor takes me out to dinner with his family. We go out to dinner, and one of his daughters was married to, I don't know what it was called then, it's called WWE now, I think it was called WWF then, but he was a professional worldwide wrestling federation uh, wrestler, a big dude, and he's out there, now, I'm just going to tell you the truth, because I ain't trying to offend nobody, but I think this, all that stuff is fake. And I know some people here swear by it, and you, you go to the meets, and you travel with the groups and all that, but I think the stuff is fake. So, but he was so big, I wasn't going to tell him I think it's fake. So I started asking him, uh, like, angular questions to try to get to the fakeness of it. So I asked him this. He, he was sitting right next to me at the table. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do people really get hurt doing that? And he said, yes. He said, there are real injuries that happen. He says, but they're usually not intentional. He says, people get hurt when stuff goes wrong. I said, ooh, that sound, I said, mm-hmm to myself. I ain't saying nothing to him. I'm trying to act like, really? I said, what do you mean? He says, he says, when a move goes wrong, somebody gets hurt because they did the move wrong. But nobody's intended to have any, any serious injuries. I said, wow. So I, so, so I said, that sounds fake to me. So I said, well, well, let me ask you a question. I said, well, does the injury, can it ever impact the outcome? And he said without hesitation, never. He said, he says the outcome is never impacted by injury. He said, because the outcome has already been established before the match. That's an F sharp right there. Look. 
Let, let me tell you what I just said. He said, he, he said, he said, I don't know if he's supposed to be telling me this. Because you know, I'm, I, got snitching, I got snitching issues. But I've held it since 1990. I have never shared this publicly. And some of y'all are mad at me right now because you got wrestlers that you believe in. All that. I'm just saying, the man told me, he says, the outcome has been established before the match. He says, in fact, Pastor Battle, it's not really two combatants. We're all actors. And he says, we have a script that we're following. And he says, in the locker room, you never see this, but your opponent and the referee are going over the script in the locker room. There's certain twists and plots to the performance that are supposed to happen, and we always know the outcome before we even go out in the ring. So that's never in question, even if somebody gets hurt. So let me tell you what he was telling me without telling me. He was telling me the fight is fixed. Well, I just came to tell somebody that's in a fight that if the WWE knows how it's going in before it starts, my God that has a child in a fight, he told me to tell you, not only is he in it with you, but the fight is fixed. I already know how long you're going to fight. I already know how you're going to come out of it. I already sent you help. I already determined the outcome. The fight is fixed. Somebody give God a praise that my victory is already is fixed. It's fixed. It's fixed. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels or principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We are conquerors. It's fixed. <laughs> it's fixed. <laughs> it's fixed. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If I'm in a fight and I already know how it is, I ain't got to worry. You can do whatever you want. I already know how this going in. I end up, well, you say, how do I know I'm winning? I learned this from Pastor Jeff Simmons years ago. How do you know the outcome? The outcome is always two things, my good and his glory. My good and his glory. I don't care how it looks, it's for your good and it's for his glory. And if you're mature enough, just let God know. God, you got my permission to get the glory out of this. Whatever your glory looks like, get the glory. I'm in it too deep, I'm in it too far. Since I'm in it anyway, get the glory out of this. All right, sit down. I got, I got 10 more things I can tell you. Verse 5. I'm going to wrap this up real quick. In verse 5, the officers start talking. Y'all good? The officers start talking. The officers start talking. God has spoken. The priest has spoken. Now here come the officers. The officers speak up and they say, all right, anybody here uh, built a house and didn't dedicate it? You can go. You might die out here. Somebody else dedicate your house. Anybody here uh, just start a business? You start opening up a vineyard and you ain't collected the first fruit yet? 
going home. You might die out here. Somebody else eat the first fruit. Anybody here booed up? <laughs> but y'all ain't consummated? I know what's on your mind. Going home. You might get killed out here. Somebody else get your wife. And the thing messed me up, Jeff, because I said he didn't mess up the whole environment of the whole text. Not once did God or the priest say anything about dying. Now, here, I got mad. I said, look at all this. Here they come. It's like an officer in the church. They come in here and just shut everything down. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking historically. Amen. I just said, how they going to come in here and put all that negativity in this? I said, ain't that something? You get a word from God and here comes somebody with something negative to say to scare you. And I kept looking at the past. I said, it's so negative. And then I kept looking, and I kept looking, and I kept studying it. And then God showed me, they're not negative. They're actually helpful. What the officers are doing is purging the troops. And what the officers are doing are getting rid of people who are distracted. And verse 8, he's getting rid of people who are disturbed. He says, he says in verse 8, any of y'all scared, get out of here because you're going to scare everybody because fear spreads. So the officers come around and they bring order to the fight. They're saying, I got to get people who are distracted out of here because you got something else on your mind. You got a real estate deal on your mind. You got a business opening up on your mind. You got a loving relationship on your mind. And this fight is too important to, for me to be fighting with somebody that it don't mean to you what it means to me. Have you ever been working on something and somebody else wasn't as serious about it as you? And you putting your all into it and they half-stepping, they online, they playing on their phone and you're like, never mind, never mind. It's good. You're going to do what you've been doing. This means too much for me. It's like coaching a team or being on a team and you made it to the playoffs. Mm. You made it to the playoffs and everybody's working hard to, to win at this level and they're running sprints and they're looking at film and they're doing all the extra work and putting up shots, but then there's one cat who seems disengaged and seems disinterested and is not really motivated. And he even says, he says, it ain't nothing but a game. And he sounds like he's deep and he sounds like he's profound, but I'm telling you, he's a problem. You need to tell anybody, say, it's just a game. Well, don't play with us because it means more to us. We're trying to win. And what they're doing is they're getting everybody distracted off the team because the last thing you need in a fight like this is somebody who's not as serious about what you're fighting as you are. If you're scared, go home. And then watch what he does. Last verse, I'm done. I'm done going this. Last verse. He says, he says, and then the officers... Set up unit commanders. After they, got, after they purged the team, they set up unit commanders. Now understand this. This is not a new army, but it is a new battle. They've had fights before, but this is a new fight. And he's, what he's saying is, your old role will change because this is a new fight. And what you have to understand is, when you're in a new fight that you've never fought before, you got to be flexible because your role might change. <laughs> see, 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 when things were all well, you used to just put the groceries away when they got home. But now that the cook is, is sick, now you got to put them away and you got to cook now. Somebody say shift. <laughs> see, it used to be all you had to do was work your little part-time hustle and you, your contribution financially to the household didn't matter. But now it's a new fight. Now you got to go out and get yourself a full-time job with benefits. And I know you don't like it, but suck it up. It's a new fight. Shift. Who am I talking to in here? 
<laughs> There's a shift, and you got to be flexible now because I know you're used to doing what you've always done, but this new fight will require something different from you.